Hello and welcome to Speaking Truth to Power. My name is Irvin Hill and today's topic is about stewardship in the community of God. Uh, it's about 2.24 p.m. here in Stockton, California. And the reason I chose this, this topic uh, about stewardship in the community of God is because that the early church were really, really understood that nothing they had belonged to them, it all belonged to God. So the storehouse were there to take care of the community. And uh, I want to take a look into this because what we're going to cover is stewardship of the gospel, stewardship of possession and money, stewardship of prayer, praise and worship, stewardship of witnessing and stewardship obedience. And see, the early church uh, had that. And I want you the guys to think about after we cover this here, do your church today really match up with what the early church did and what the church today could be uh, do more in the community versus uh, what is taking place? And we know uh, here in Stockton, California and throughout the community of the, all the whole world that there's 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 so much going on. There's so much killing going on. There's drugs. There's uh, suicides. There's uh, uh, mass shootings, there's uh, attempting murder. There's so much going on. And my question is, and what makes me wonder is, as individuals, we all make the uh, up the community. We are the community. We are the church because the church is supposed to be within us. And as a whole, uh, as a community, and as the church has a lot of power because the church is, is basically... Uh, following God, the church has a lot of power in the community and can change things. And, and my question is, uh, throughout the world, is the church and most communities really involved in what's going on in that, in that community to change things? And we all know that uh, church begins at home first. Charity begins at home first. And it's all important. It's very important that we uh, grab our kids and hold on to our kids and teach our kids and discipline our kids on what is right and what's wrong and uh and then string them in the word of god because god uh said in deuteronomy you know you wanted to, to talk about him grabbing white kids and talk about him talk about him when he's when you're putting the bed when you walk on you talk about god when they grab them while they little small and instill the word of god in them uh so they know who god is and god know who they are on 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 the on the spiritual level, not the flesh, but the spiritual level. Uh, we all know God has nothing to do with the flesh. He can't stand the flesh. So uh, I feel the church, and as individuals that make up the community and the church, we can do so much more to drive evil out. And and we all have to agree. The only way evil triumph in our communities is good men do nothing but say, I'm a good man, but watch evil triumph in the neighborhoods. So as a ways of combating all this stuff, but once you let it get so far to hand and turn a blind eye and a, a closed ear to it, it's not going to fix itself. It's just going to get worse. So the church has a lot of power if they're following God. If that pastor is a pastor that was made from God, he has a lot of power 
that he can do a lot of things through God. But if he's one of those pastors that went to school, the theology school and seminary school and all these things right here, it takes God to make a pastor. A school doesn't make pastors, it makes students. And we have to come to terms and grips that we have to study and show approve for ourselves. Now he did, Jesus did say, if anyone be great among you, let it be your minister. Now understand, minister means just to serve, that's it, to serve. But many of the ministers, they want to be served too and not serve. And that's the difference right there. So we have to study, show, prove ourselves and not put all the pressure on the pastor to teach you. But what are you doing when you're not at church? Are you studying to show approve for yourself and your kids to hold on to them? Because the wolves are out there. They're waiting for them. They're waiting for you to let them go by themselves and grab them. So as parents, we have a total responsibility to hold on to our kids and teach them what God wants to teach. And God is holy, so expect us to live holy. So that you, you can, we can say and make all the kind of excuses, well, there's no way I can live holy. You can if you put effort into it. You know, so if you don't want to put the cigarette down, you don't want to put it down. You don't want to stop drinking, you don't want to stop drinking. Uh, all these things are all choices, but you gotta be willing to surrender, willing to give in, give over, if you're not willing things, you're not willing to do that, then you can continue to make excuses with the, the sin that we you have in your life. And everything I'm saying applies to me as well. So let's cover uh, about stewardship. Stewardship in the community of God. Stewardship is the art of managing properties owned by another. The early Christians knew that all they were had, all they had, belong to God. In fact, stewardship was their lifestyle. Now you think about it, stewardship was a lifestyle. That means they were embedded and they were all on the same page of getting it done. Question, is the early church doing that now for themselves or are they doing it for the community? Number one, stewardship of the gospel. The gospel is the basis of stewardship in the body of Christ. What the apostles had received, they freely gave. The apostles preached the word and baptized those who received the word. Those who received the word were devoted to the apostles and they continue in fellowship. You can find that in Acts 2.41-42. through 42. Number two, stewardship of possessions and money. The believers sold their individual properties and possessions and held all things in common. Verse 44 and 45. And no one claimed anything individually. Even money itself was given to the apostles to be distributed to the needy. See, if you take a look back, that, that word needy, the poor, the homeless, the church made sure they took care of these people. Not saying that all, they're not churches that are doing it today, because there are quite a bit, but there are a lot that are not doing their part as they should be doing it, but they're willing to take your money and keep the money flowing. That's all I'm saying. And most of you could have to agree because you're experiencing the same thing. Number three, stewardship of prayer, praise and worship. The members of the church were continually devoted themselves to be breaking of bread and to prayer, praise God and continue to meet together in the temple courts. That's verse 42 through 47. See, so they were 
continue in praise and prayer. So praise and prayer are so important in the church and not just in the church, but at home with your, your, your kids, yourself, your husband, wife, or whoever is in your household, the prayer it becomes is so important because that's where the relationship will begin individually with you and God. But he did say, Jesus said, when two or three come together in my name, they're in the midst you. So as a family, it's important to pray. But you have to have your own individual relationship with God. Now you teach your kids how to have an individual relationship with God. And that's through prayer and talking to them and reading to them and reading together as a family is extremely important. So in order to do that, we have to practice that on a daily basis, not just on a Sunday or not just on Saturday. It becomes a daily practice in our lives. Number four, stewardship of witnessing. Many men and women were added to the, their, their number as they went out to the cities in Jerusalem, Vinicius, and brought them in, Acts 5, 14 through 16. So they were out there. They were out there adding numbers. They were out there talking and people were added to the church. Added to the church that was extremely important so they were out there talking. Now we all know that the Jehovah Witness goes out there and knock on doors and talk to people. Uh, but do they believe Jesus was was God? No, they don't. They say he was a prophet, he was a teacher. Well, he was all those things. But the Spirit of God was in him. And you remember Christ said, I had my father one. He's telling them that we're on the same page. He's in me and I am him. I believe what he believes in. You remember he also said, this is not my doctrine. The doctrine is of the father. Remember he also said, the father teaches me. That word teaching, we need teaching. We need someone over us that's going to teach us that have revelation. So your pastor of your church needs to be anointed needs to be able to speak in tongues and all the gifts that, that, that they will be able to give to you. And that's broken down in Acts 2.38. That that's a promise that you get. But we have to be believers in order to receive it. We have to repent, repent, repent sincerely and sorrow for what we've done. We can't be like the dog does. We repent, but we return back to the vomit. We can't be like the hog that wallows in his, his slop. Return back to it. Eat out of it. So once we've turned our way from that sin, we can't go back to that sin. We need to lead that sin where it's at. We ask the Father to take it away from us, but we're not strong enough to walk away from it. When he can close the door, we go back in. See, he didn't give us a spirit of fear. Gave us a spirit of self-control. And we're not exercising it, so we blame the flesh for our problems. But many times... It's a self-will. The self-will to do this stuff on our own. Just saying. Number five, stewardship obedience. Even though the believers were prosecuted for the preaching of the gospel, they continued to proclaim it. They were determined to obey God rather than men. You find that in Acts 5, 17-37. The actions of first century Christians came inspiring Christians today. God's plan for his people has not changed. So God's plan has not changed and will never change. 
God's plan is not to see any of his people lost. But today's church is like this. It start out small and some churches have started out from the living room or from the basement. And they were really off into preaching, the old school preaching directly from the Bible. None of their thoughts, no one else thoughts, but strictly Bible scriptures. And as they grow, things change. They get away from preaching repentance. They get away from preaching baptism the correct way. They get away from preaching the cross direct the right way. So many things what they were against sin. They no longer do it anymore. They start preaching prosperity. Now, prosperity is God. And the word of God is prosperity, which leads to your health, your good spiritual health and f good flesh health. It's not the money. It's God. It's prosperity. It's in his word. Now, he says in Matthews, Jesus says, first seek you the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things be added unto you. So if he tells you in, in the word that first seek ye God. And all these things we add on you. Why are you going to let a pastor tell you that in order to give, you get, in order to receive something from God, you're going to have to give more money? Where is that in the scriptures? Remember, people, read and study so approved for yourself. Don't be afraid to question the pastor and ask him to show you where that's at in the scriptures when he starts saying things that don't sound like it comes from the scriptures. When he starts talking about his thoughts and what he believes, no. Take him back to scriptures. Ask him to show you where it's at. This is where the misleading comes in at. That's where it comes in at right there when you start when you start putting his thoughts in there. So if you think about it, what the early church did, and the churches are not doing what they're doing today, and many are probably close to that and many are not. But when you think your whole church, if they're not baptizing correctly, they need the whole church need to be rebaptized again. And you would have to go under 238 is what you're going to be baptized on. If you're going up under 2819, that's not the correct way. That was basically telling them instructions what to do. So if anyone is being baptized and been taken under the water under 2819, you're being baptized wrong. That was purely instructions what to do when you go out in the world. And when he said in the name he says, do it in the name of the Father and Son, in the name. That's the key word, in the name. So if you have someone baptize you on 2819 and took you under the water and brought you up, it's wrong. Now, here's a question you should ask. Any pastor, any deacon, anyone that believes in 2819 that you should be going on the water under that. Ask him this. Show you any scripture in the New Testament where any of the apostles took anyone under the water under 2819 where they baptized anybody under that scripture that's the question you ask them and seek that pull any scripture up there i already know the answer you can't pull it up but for your own sake you ask them that question can they show you that they cannot cannot show you that so therefore if they can't show you anywhere in the scriptures 
that any apostle baptized anyone under 2019, they can't. So therefore, if they can't, but you can have witnessing of the, of the apostles baptizing under 238. And let's listen to what Peter said on Acts 238. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now, he's telling you you're going to receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and he didn't stop there. He went up in 239, he says, For the promises for unto you, and unto your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, think about that. Now that's a promise. It didn't say I you might. It says a promise. So therefore, if you are a believer in the Word of God, you received Christ, and you've been repented of all your sins between you and God, and you go down on the 238, your life is going to change. If you go down in the water on the two Acts two thirty eight in the name of Lord Jesus Christ or Lord Jesus or Jesus Christ, you are going to have a different walk and talk. Twenty nineteen. That's not the proper way. That was just base instructions. Think about all this. I want you to really. Really ask those questions to your pastor. Those that have been baptized on the 2019, go back and ask him. It says in the name. So think about this, people. You are somebody's son. You're somebody's daughter, somebody's granddaughter, someone's grandson. You're someone's parent. But you have a name. A name, which is important. It's just like you're saying... A mother sends her son down to a, a store that she's been dealing with for years and she gives him a list that goes say uh, pick up these groceries going there but she has an account so when he picks all this stuff up and gets to the counter and you says uh, my mom says put this on the count should take care of it this week the question will come is who is your mother what's her name if there's no count number on written on that, what's your mom's name? So your name is extremely important. This may not be the best analogy of what I've just done, but it's clear. Your name is important. No one likes their name smeared or not used correctly. We can all agree up on that. God never wanted his name, let lie his name to be smeared or used incorrectly. So I thank you guys for listening. Be sure to download the app like share and comment be sure to, sh to share on social media and i'm looking forward to my next uh podcast uh which i will be doing later today on another subject that's extremely important this has been my time god bless you and take care